We are a horny bunch, us humans. We'll we'll do it with just about anything. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 41. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend... Matt Runquist. Hey, <laughs> Travis, how you doing? This week, I watched the movie The Descent, and you listened to the Afghan Wigs album, 1965. Yes, both of those things are absolutely true. But before we get to that, let's do a little housekeeping. How the heck are you, my friend? I'm doing quite well. I just got back from Flowrider. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, yes. congratulations on escaping. But uh... Yes, well, thank you very much. It turns out it's real nice and warm there right now. So, you know, political <laughs> swamp be damned, actual swamp be damned. It's nice <laughs> and it's, it's 40 degrees warmer there than it is here. And uh, as a Midwesterner, that's all I care about right now. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what? I read recently that Florida was, uh, like, as of, like, the 40s, the 49th most populous state in the union like nobody lived there until fairly recently in our history that's fascinating that's really interesting basically I did, until I did disney moved in that's i i had no idea it, yeah it which, which such explains a... how they were able to get so much of that land for you know so cheap yeah I well i mean huge swaths of of florida are almost uninhabitable too uh-huh. um and I think the Orlando area, that is that is true there, too. I mean, Disney did a lot of earth moving to make mm-hmm. Disneyland happen. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Walt Disney World. That's Disney happened. World, yes. Yeah, Disneyland, Disneyland is here in, uh, here in L.A. or yeah. Orange County. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, so, yeah, my wife is going to be uh, painting the exterior of a house for one of her clients okay. uh, in December. We're both going down. We're going to make it a working vacation. Uh, and so we're going to be on the Gulf Coast of Florida for three weeks. We're going to oh, take wow. the dogs. We're going to take the dogs down. We're going to stay in the guest house. Amy's going to paint for four to eight hours a day, and then we're gonna we're gonna do our thing. I'll probably help out with the painting too. Sure. Uh, well, you know that'd be nice of you. Why? Yeah. Why? Are they shipping someone else from another state to paint their house? Is is she uh, doing something special? Well, she's very reliable, uh, and it is notoriously difficult to get reliable help these days. Contractors are very, very backed up. There's a lot of demand for the services of contractors. And once you reach a certain like income level, uh, you... Uh, you have people you find people that you like and then you stick with them uh, hmm. people, sure. people well, that can makes be sense. the people can be very uh, particular about what they want and of course, so when they find something that they like they have a tendency to to stick with they it spend so, no expense it, yeah the, this exactly. is how Jurassic I mean, Park happened they f- um, they flew us down f- just for the weekend to like walk through the job make sure we knew how to you know like everything about their property. Wow. That yeah, was my follow-up so, question. I didn't yeah. know whether this trip, this last yeah. trip was related. That's yeah, fantastic. So this was, yeah, this was just to, this was just to figure out the ins and outs because they're not going to be there at all in December. Oh, okay. Know. All right. Wow. That's fantastic. That's great, man. I, I hope you, I, I think it'll be more comfortable in December when you're actually down there doing the work. So yeah, yeah, it should be quite nice. 
hopefully, yeah. And I don't know if there's any bad weather that tends to happen in December or not. Like, uh, uh, I don't think it's... No. Yeah, of... we'll be... So it's currently like the tail end of hurricane season right now. Uh -huh. But by yeah. December, that, that should be over, barring... Uh, a freak weather event, because sure. everybody knows those are very unusual these days. Yeah, well, then you just have to worry about the uh, tidal waves of alligators coming through, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, you should be fine. Yeah. Well, awesome. Anything else going on? Uh, I know. That's just about it. Just that was the, a big just one. Just a four-day vacation, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty big one. Well, I had an interesting week. I uh, My big news, I guess, is that I met Allison Janney at my acting class. Well, that's uh, Or my fun. acting studio. Yeah, she came in and, uh, you know, every once in a while we'll bring in instructors to teach classes on uh, on skills and all sorts of things. We'll bring in directors to talk about things and showrunners. And uh, one of our members had a connection with uh, Allison Janney. And so she came in to uh, just do a talk with us, an hour and a half, talking about her career. And it was wonderful. She was delightful. Uh, she bought in uh, one of her dogs, brought in one of her dogs. and oh, um, Who was... Yeah, apparently this dog wasn't getting along with her other dogs, and she didn't want to leave it alone. So she brought in uh, uh, this dog, Henry, I think it was. And the the cute little thing was just walking around, meeting everybody while we were all talking with Allison. And uh, um, I, I thought it was interesting, uh, and hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, or um, or what's the phrase, if I'm talking out of class? or Speaking out of school? Speaking out of school? Is that is that a thing, or do we just make that up? Mm, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully I'm not doing that and uh, saying that one of the things that surprised me is that she still has a lot of um, uh, concerns, a lot of uh, um, um, not neuroses, but like, you know, those actor worries, I guess, right? Uh, like Allison Janney still worries about whether she's going to work again ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting there going, wow, you, you won an Oscar and you're like, the most amazing actress, uh, I mean, that we have working right now. I mean, you know, you're certainly in the top five. So uh, for you to worry about such things is kind of crazy to me. You know, it's funny that you should mention that. I was just in the car today with my wife talking about uh, the bassist Flea from the band Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, sure, I've you heard of Flea. Might, yeah, well, he's an actor as well as a, as a performer. I've heard of that too, yeah. Yeah, and... She was saying that he still suffers from imposter syndrome sometimes. She's like, he says that he'll be up on stage performing and he's like, am I really that good? Do I deserve to be playing for all of these people? Mm. You know, so yeah. I think I don't think that is necessarily something that goes away, you know? Yeah, no, I suppose that that, that makes sense. It just it was at once heartening to hear that from someone who was at that level but also really disconcerting to hear from someone who's at that level you're like oh god i guess that never goes away yeah no that's <laughs> the the solution for that is not uh is not becoming successful and winning awards the the solution for that is apparently just death Death. Yeah, that's the only yeah. way to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, well, that was that's a shame. Uh, the other big news is that we did go back to work this week, so I actually hey. was at work, and I managed to go to bed at mostly decent times, so I was able to get some sleep. Um, but I was waking up at, I think my alarm was 5.30 in the morning mm -hmm. pretty much every day, and we kept on creeping earlier. Like, the first Monday was 7.15 call time, and then, like, 7 o'clock, and then by the end of the week, it was 6.45. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, come on, you guys. So, um, 
but no, I was so happy to be back at work, and we had fun times. If uh, if anybody watches uh, the talk, it's you can see the kind of fun stuff we get up to, and um, it was uh, it was a really fun. Uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned the name of the show, but yeah, I hope that's not a, something I'm going to get in trouble for. But um, I think that the fact that you are employed on the talk is not a secret. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, it was it was a fun week and uh and then I am gearing up for shooting of uh Time Wrecked uh this Yay. weekend, this coming weekend. And today we had a rehearsal with just the cast and it went great. We have such a funny cast lined up for this thing and I think this is going to be uh, I really hope that we can find some money to actually make the rest of the season happen because it so deserves to happen. And ideally it would be somewhere big like, you know, some streamer like Paramount Plus would pick it up and and, mm-hmm. and produce it um, because it's it's that good and awesome. um, yeah. So um, that being said, why don't we get into the meat of the show? Yeah, let's get Shake into the meat. Up, let's roast the meat. <laughs> roast this meat, and uh, how about we uh, shake it up and do the movie first? Okay, let's do it. All right, tell me Great. about the movie, Travis. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you about The Descent, which was a uh, 2005 British horror film uh, that came out. uh, It was directed and written by Neil Marshall, who has done some other things. He does a lot of, like, scarier stuff as far as his movies. So uh, this was... But this was very early on in his career, and he got... um, a little he was worried about getting typecast as the the horror director so uh he tries he tries to do a couple of different things but uh this movie is pretty basic plot wise it's a group of women who are adventurers and they and they do things like whitewater rafting in the first scene and they do and they you know talk about them uh they talk about climbing trips that they've done and they decide to go uh spelunking in a cave and they're all from the UK, but it does take place here in America. It takes place in, like, North Carolina or something, and in the Appalachians. And uh, they find this secret cave that nobody's ever done, and uh, they go down it. And um, it turns out that there are monsters inside. And the monsters are basically, like, it's as if humans got trapped down there thousands of years ago and evolved to live in the cave, right? And so they're cannibalistic. They're uh, they 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 have no eyesight, but they can hear very well, and they communicate via like clicks and sonar and stuff like that. And uh, and one by one, our um, our intrepid explorers get picked off. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's a lot more you need to say about it, other than uh, what do you think? You know, it's funny. My brain just tripped on the term cannibalistic there because because they're not. So, I, well, that's, you know what? Well, I did the same thing. Are they not? That's the question, right? So because the movie well, they is, don't eat each other. That seems to be true, right? Yeah, they don't eat each other. They um, eat, they eat our heroes, and they also eat animals that they bring down from the surface. Mm-hmm. But I don't. It, it it doesn't seem like they eat each other. Yeah, so then the question just becomes, are they a different species? Which then begs the question, can you have intercourse, productive intercourse, 
with one of these monsters. You know? Why? Why was that the place you went to? Nobody was asking that question. Why? It popped into my head when you said they were cannibalistic. I was like, well, that's really the question is how long has divergent evolution gone on to the to the point where this is a, a fundamentally distinct species. Sure. Well, I think you know if we're going to get it, if we're going to go on this tangent that uh, Homo sapiens were breeding with Neanderthals successfully, mm-hmm. so right. it stands to reason that this species, depending on how long they were uh, they were down in the caves, and mm-hmm. I think it probably wouldn't take all that many generations for for them to reach yeah. this stage. Okay. So um, I would say they're probably still. Uh, compatible genetically all right right. well in that case then i think the the verdict is in they're cannibals so good good descriptor oh Uh, because they're eating us um well not if we're a different species right but we just decided they weren't no we just decided that they were compatible genetically do you do you think that neanderthals and human and and homo sapiens were the same species oh yeah they're not Right, a horse, a horse and a donkey aren't the same species, but they can still breed. I got to admit, I I feel a little behind the eight ball here. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, the point is, I liked the movie. I did. Um, I want to start a new podcast now. That's that's all just figuring out what species in movies can can interbreed. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, Klingons and Vulcans have made babies, or maybe not Klingons and Vulcans, but Klingons and humans for sure. Klingons and humans, Vulcans and humans. Vulcans humans, and humans, basically, I think we've established can breed with pretty much. We anything. are a horny bunch, us humans. <laughs> we'll we'll do it with just about anything. So I'm yeah. going to say definitively that uh, humans would would absolutely try to breed with this species if they weren't trying to eat them. That's fair. Um, yeah, I liked the movie a lot. I will say this. Mm-hmm. I liked the first half of this movie better than the second half. Okay. Now, I don't think that's because I don't because I'm not fond of horror movies. Because it turns out over the course of this podcast, I've I've actually liked quite a few of the horror movies. Yeah. I, I'm turning into I wouldn't say a horror movie fan, but a horror movie appreciator. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but this movie really does leave you kind of at your own devices to justify the existence of this species. It doesn't really, there's like the vaguest hand waving of what the heck is going on here. And I, sometimes I like that, right? Because it allows you, it allows you to just watch the movie and enjoy the action without getting hung up on, you know, justifications that fundamentally aren't going to make any sense because they're kind of crazy, right? Sure. But this one, there there were such big holes. Like, are there really no stories in rural North Carolina about the the cave people that, you know, I mean, there's... There's more than a dozen of these things. It's not clear exactly how many of them are, but they're big... They're big creatures. They need to eat a lot because you need that for energy. They're very fast moving, right? They're clearly warm blooded. Uh, so they've got to be like killing like the local large mammal population, right? There's thousands and thousands of bones down here. And, and you know, so, so I the idea. I'm fascinated that the things you get tripped up by. I what? like, like. there's right there's this undiscovered cave system right and and there's these big predators inside 
that but are going to. Let's gonna... just say it's. Let's just say it's the one cave system, and let's say fifty. Would that? Would you say that's a good like sure. high end? A couple of, of dozen. Of... A couple of dozen at least. Yeah. yeah. Let's say high end 50, 50 of these things down there, and because uh, they they do kill a bunch of them, and uh, and every once in a while yeah. you'll look and there's like ten of them crawling in at you. Yeah. Um, so uh, you don't think that you could sustain fifty members of a community on uh, on elk uh, on enough elk and uh, you know I'm not game. saying it couldn't happen. I'm saying it couldn't happen without like the humans in the area like finding out about it at least in like a local legend type of way, right? Like if we had been like if there was like a hodag festival, you know, like in northern like if there was some kind of cryptid explanation for these things. But there right? may have been and we just don't know about it. I think there so is a you sequel. do the, you do this thing where you like justify things that are totally not in the movie at all and I love that about you because it's very optimistic, but it's not in the movie at all. You know, well, and I that's think my, my thing criticism. is that we don't need we don't need that. I, I don't for this movie I need to work. It. I need it for the movie oh. to work. I okay. The, like these are these are incredibly dangerous predators that no one has ever seen and no one has ever heard of, and are blind because anybody that goes into the cave doesn't come out. How, who's going to write the legend? Okay, so everybody that goes right, but like when people disappear, we look for them. Yeah, but it's a hard-to-find cave. You just, <laughs> people go missing all the time. There are millions of people that go missing and are never found. Well, maybe not that many, but, like, lots. <laughs> Listener. We're laughing at missing people. But, no, there are, there, are, there are missing people that go that never get found and their, 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 their whereabouts are never solved. And, uh, you know, uh, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Uh, like they've like the, I think those the the miners that went down there that they found their equipment were probably a hundred years old, right? So, what I want you to do, Travis, here, so mm -hmm. that we can get off of this subject, is I want you yeah. to say, Matt, you know, you might have a point. That's what I want you to say, my dearest Matt. Yeah. You have an excellent point. Awesome, thanks. So that being said. Uh, I really liked the first half of this movie because at one point, so I had forgotten your description that you gave me last week where you did mention the monsters, or I think you mentioned there was something else in the cave. Sure. Um, for the first half of this movie, I was like, is this just a tense psychological thriller that revolves around like the danger of their situation and then the emotional psychodrama between the, the women? And yeah. I was I was into that movie. Like, I was yeah. really into that movie, and I thought it was really exciting and interesting and uh, tense, very well shot. I loved the lighting choices and the way that they, like, it's clear that they did shoot a bunch of this in an actual cave. I'm sure certain portions of it were built sets. Uh, I would imagine, like, the big set pieces were Most built sets. Most of it was sets, yeah. Yeah, but there was clearly, like, some actual caving going on too. And there was clearly like, this is how you explore a cave, you know? And, and mm -hmm. there, there was good groundwork done there. That was all super grounded and super realistic and super tense, you know, and mm -hmm. super suspenseful. I really loved that. Uh, and then when the monsters showed up, it just started tripping those parts of my brain that I'm like, Okay, so yes, this is a cool scene. Oh wow, these monsters are dangerous, scary, 
that was all really good, right? But there was I was having a hard time letting go of what are these things? What are the you know like okay, sure, I can make up a justification for it. They're they're humans. They got trapped in the cave. It kind of hints at that sort of and okay, you know, I I believe that, right? But there were just times when it was hard for me to get over a lot of great imagery in this movie. Like the, there's this scene where she's sort of like this blood and goo pit that she has to, and I'm afraid uh, folks, I'm not, I can't remember any of these characters names. And even during the movie, I was having a hard time coming up with I know, their I names. Know. The main character's name was Sarah. Um, yeah, Sarah ends up in the goo pit, and then she comes up out of it. And it's kind of a famous shot from the movie. Uh, very, very frightening stuff. Why is there a goo pit here and not anywhere else? I don't know. Um, you know, but I, I that but that pit. didn't bother me, right? It was it was scary, and that was kind you gotta of gotta have enough. a goo pit somewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like we've said before about horror movies. You know, if you want to make something scarier, make it wet, right? Mm. The, the, that's oh, how yeah. the, they follow that for the monsters here. And yeah, when, when Sarah is like wetter, definitely scarier. Mm. So yeah. I liked all of that. Um, yeah, I, I got to admit, that's kind of, that's my feeling about the movie. I really liked the tense psychological thriller that it felt like we were getting in the first half. And I also liked the horror movie, but I liked it less because I felt a little dis- it kind of felt like it let the characters off the hook a little bit or let the that it kind of let that tense psychological thriller go for a, a significant chunk of the movie. And I I wanted that movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. And and they did a really good job with the tenseness. Uh, and I watching this over again, didn't realize how long it took for the monsters to show up. Uh, you don't get them for quite a while, except for little hints here and there that could be hallucinations. They could be like, you know, uh, not a real threat. And um, they set up Sarah's character really well uh, as being damaged, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd kind of, I'd kind of, I don't know what in my head thought that we were actually going to focus on one of the other characters as being the the emergent hero. I thought that they were doing this weird thing where they start with one character and then it turns out to be someone, a smaller character in the middle of the the Oh, you thought maybe Sarah was not going to be the final girl. Right, and I thought that they were playing with that because I was like, there's no way that this person can come out of this thing unscathed or, you know, or alive and very um, <laughs> yeah very very scathed but but alive yeah and uh, they start out the movie with sarah on a white rafting trip with uh juno and beth two of the friends and uh and afterwards she is met by her daughter and husband and it's kind of you get this little hint that maybe the husband and uh i think beth or juno. um Juno. Or Juno. Yeah, the husband and Juno were having a little thing, and you kind of get that hint. Uh, but then almost immediately, Sarah's husband and uh, daughter die in a car accident that she also is in, but she's the lone survivor. And so this this, this climbing, spelunking trip is actually part of Juno's plan to help Sarah kind of, like, heal. And uh, so three, and three other friends join them. And so you've got six, I think, total. And I think they, what, one of the things I really loved in the end of this was Sarah's arc. Uh, 
Like, she goes from about as wounded as you can get to being a survivor because she has to... Like, if she, you have a choice. You can survive or die. And she chooses to survive. And I really liked that. And she becomes... It's almost a very um, Sarah Connor-type journey or or Ripley almost, although Ripley is a bit stronger at the beginning of Alien. But yeah, Sarah Connor is a really good allegory because, you know, at the beginning of Terminator, she's kind of weak. She's a waitress. And, and by the end of it, she's killing the Terminator herself. And that's kind of what Sarah's arc is uh, here. Uh, I liked the monsters. Yeah, I, I liked, the, the, I I liked was... the monsters too. I just, I wanted, I wanted just a hint more backstory okay that's fair yeah and and i wonder if maybe uh because i do they gave some like they have a a scientist character who you know the girl who is like going to school for science or something like biology and she's the one who offers the bit of hand wavy like well this looks like uh this like looks like a homo sapien that's been down here whatever it's it's i i got personally enough of an explanation that like Thousands of years ago, some humans came down here and they got trapped, and now they've evolved into these beings, and um, and they're scary. And uh, one of the things I love about that is that it's a real world monster. You know, it's not supernatural. It's something that could exist underneath our feet that we're just we just don't know about until we until we make the mistake of traveling out of the light. You know, our comfortable. Uh, sun-filled world that we're so familiar with, if we take one step too far, suddenly we're in life-threatening danger by these things that we can't see. So I really like that, and I do agree with you on the uh, the filming, the lighting. It did a very good job of setting up, like, a lighting cue mm-hmm. and, like, different looks for, like, once the characters get split up, you have a couple of characters bathed in green light. You have a couple of characters bathed in, like, candlelight you have a couple with their led yeah that's one of the big technical challenges of this movie is that they're the characters outside of juno and sarah are not super well realized like we get a little bit from them but Mm -hmm. they're they're a little hard to tell apart right they're like late 20s early 30s white chicks right yeah you get the bad girl but beyond her like yeah and so the the thing that the movie does do a good job of giving you little hints of like, oh, this is this person each time because it can be hard to keep track of them. The movie is very dark, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I really, yeah, that was really appreciated by me. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, so my thing, and uh, we're getting into spoilers here, but uh, that should be assumed with this podcast, I think. Uh, at the end, Sarah kind of, figures out that Juno not only cheated on her her her, her, her husband with her husband right mm-hmm. uh, but she also figures out that Juno killed one of the other women accidentally and might well, have been death that she that she left her to die that's actually the distinction she okay. she cut her accidentally but then rather than staying with her to try to help her or to call to the other women to try to bring them to her. She decided she was beyond help, left her to die, and then Sarah discovered her. 
pretty pretty brutal stuff. I think the thing that caught my ear earlier when you were speaking was you said you really liked Sarah's arc. And but for me the thing that motivates that arc is not just like survive or die. It's that vengeance aspect to it that gets her to decide to survive, right? When she finds hmm. out about Juno uh, sleeping with her husband and Juno leaving the other character to die, and I'm afraid I can't remember which one it is, but I think it was leaving Beth, the other character to die. Because I think it was die, one of the original three. Um, she, that, that sense of like righteous anger that she feels towards Juno is what motivates her to oh. be like, I'm going to survive and and get back at you for the things that you've done. Interesting. Okay, well, that makes a little more sense then. and Because then when she runs into Beth, uh, when she runs into Juno, um, they reconnect and are fighting, you know, crawlers together. And, um, and then Sarah makes the choice to wound Juno in the leg so she can't run away, basically to leave her to die at the hands of the monsters mm -hmm. so that she can escape. And I was wondering what you uh, thought about that move. I mean, it's, there's, you know, it's a parallel to what happened earlier with Juno, you know. Right. But when, when Juno... Juno was in the middle of a of a fight for her life, right? And she's killing a monster that's literally attacking her in the moment. And then she spins around to kill what she thinks is another monster that's that's reaching for her, and it turns out to be Beth, right? And she and she kind of skewers Beth through the neck. And then what are you going to do? What can you do about that? Like like Beth Beth isn't getting out of this place alive. So, well, I think you have to really remember Juno's fault, is it? Yes, it is absolutely Juno's fault because Juno is the one that brought them to an unmarked cave without True. filing a flight okay, plan. Okay, so yeah, technically yes, this is all Juno's fault. This whole this whole thing. The yeah. whole thing is unequivocally But it was done Juno's with good fault. intentions. I mm. just don't know if uh, I I thought that Sarah's like skewering of Juno's leg to uh to leave her as bait was was warranted. I'm gonna go with tough but fair. Tough but fair. That's that's all right. And she does. There, there is a final shot when she gets into the car, where she sees Juno's, like she has a hallucination of Juno's corpse sitting there in the car with her. So she isn't left unmarked psychologically from that act. Yeah. So I guess that, I guess that, makes some sense there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but I, I, you know what? This warranted a sequel. I have not sequel. I have not. Seen it recently, so I don't remember anything about the sequel. Although it was not written or directed by the same guy, so uh, and I I think that Sarah probably comes back, and mm -hmm. maybe it has something to do with going back to the cave to maybe recover everyone's bodies. I don't know. That makes sense as a story, but um, <laughs> I mean, it's certainly not like some some evil companies like we need to use these things as weapons, like an alien type story. But uh, right, uh, yeah, I, I'd be curious. Would you watch the sequel? Uh, so I'm going to be honest and admit that I had my wife look up the plot synopsis of the sequel because I did not want to watch it. But when I, 
but I was like, you curious. want to I was know like, what happens? I was like, how on earth do you make a sequel to this movie? Like, clearly Sarah's not dumb enough to go back in this cave, or, right? So is it just unless... like, did they jump? Yeah. So the, it turns out that yeah, the sequel is is very shortly afterwards, uh, and she is dumb enough to go back in the cave. Oh, is it like immediately afterwards? Is yeah, it like it's, she, it's like a she... couple days later. Whoa! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. I'm, I am curious. I'm not sure I want you to tell me more because I'm kind of curious to watch it. Yeah, go for it. All right, maybe I will. Uh, what did you uh, do? You have anything else to say before you uh, lay some ratings on this? No, I think I'm I'm good to rate this. All right, give it on me. Um, oh, man, that doesn't make any sense. The first half me? of this movie is a nine for me. The second half of this movie is a bog standard, uh, very very bloody but bog standard horror film of a five those two things average out to a seven for me and i feel like that's a very fair rating i liked this movie i i wouldn't watch it again i would watch a remake of this movie that took the crawlers out entirely and just had and just had a tense psychological battle between beth and uh juno Oh, yeah. wow. That yeah. could be a very interesting story, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am going to go ahead and give this an eight. Uh, I really liked it. I would watch it again. Uh, boy, is it better than an eight? It might be. Uh, no, I'll stick with an eight. That's fine. That's a really good rating for, for a horror movie. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I really liked it. I, I had no qualms about watching this again, and I could see myself watching it again in another in another five or ten years uh, just to kind of, like, come back to it. So, uh, but, yeah, I, I'm happy with it. Awesome. Well, tell me about the Afghan Wigs. The Afghan Wigs are a fascinating band who had their uh, biggest albums in the 90s. They're still uh, rocking out today. They just released a new album last year, early this year, something like really? that. Yeah. Um, but they this album is called 1965, and it is their fifth or sixth studio album. So Afghan Wigs is kind of an interesting band to me because... They were lumped in with the rest of the alternative movement in the early 90s. They were on the label Sub Pop out of Seattle, just like Nirvana and Tad and Mudhoney and all those bands. But they did not have, uh, they did not share a sound with any of those bands. They're, they're, it's a rock sound that's based in the uh, R&B and soul of the late 60s and early 70s. And I came to them through MTV. They had a very popular song called Debonair, and uh, that was off their uh, big major label debut. And I loved that album, and I followed them all through the 90s. And when this album came out, I found it stunning because it it took sort of the excesses of some of their earlier albums. Greg Dooley, the lead singer, was kind of known for like hitting a lot of blue notes and kind of over singing a lot of things and he does not have the world's greatest voice and he would push it really hard and it was very much an acquired taste but on this album he really dials that back the songs are very focused most of them are really relatively short there's a couple of longer tracks on here but most of them are are in that like pop song wheelhouse 
and I really like this music a lot. This album, I think, is their best album. It's still, it, there's always, in the Afghan wigs, there's always a sense of like sort of menace, uh, mm. sexual menace, right? Which mm-hmm. is a kind of an unusual thing to have it be so overt, right? Uh, sex is obviously all over rock and roll, but usually it's like playful or um, or or just like misogynist. But this isn't misogynist. It's like sexually potent. Uh, and I think it's, it's interesting and unusual and good. Wow. My favorite track is crazy. It's the second one. Um, but there's also 66. Gosh, is my favorite track crazy or is it 66? I don't know. I'm not sure. Wow. Uh, what do you think, Travis? Matt, I want to say that is some of the best uh, describing of one of our bands that I've, uh, that you've done for me. Uh, so far. Thank you. Uh, so I will say, first of all, hmm, how do I approach this? Uh, be- before I go, I want to actually play America's favorite home game. What do you think I'm going to think of this album? Oh, okay. I was going to cop out, but no, I will say, I don't think you loved this. That's that's what I'm going to say. I think you you'll be appreciative of some of this, but I don't think you loved it. Yeah, uh, I think you're absolutely right. So one of the things that uh, right off the bat that I want to note is that I thought I was listening to this and I very much heard the similarities between uh, a lot of those Seattle grunge bands that you're I think you're referring to. Like in my head, I was like, oh, this has this has a lot of Nirvana in it. And I am not a big Nirvana fan, but I was hearing that um just from my untrained ear and although it's also very rocky like rock and roll e and one of the things one experience that i think sums up my uh my entire experience with this album is that i was listening to it on my hike and i found that my feet were like keeping a really good beat with the music. Like this has got, there's a couple of songs in here that are, uh, I'm having mostly has a really good beat and it's like a solid, I don't know, 100, 120 beats per minute. And, um, and then the next moment I realized I was clenching my teeth. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, because that's how the music made me feel. And so I, I think that uh, I was turned on by the rock and roll aspects of it. Uh, it's very bassy rock and roll. Like mm-hmm. the, it's it's a very bassy drum, you know, bass drums. Very bassy kind of guitar and and well, bass work. I, I'm assuming. And uh, I I I feel like it was maybe a little too dark for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to appreciate, as you say, the music most of the time. Uh, to a way that it was like, okay, great. I can, I can walk to this. I can, uh, I can uh, you know, move my body to this music, which I do enjoy quite a bit. Uh, I, was, I was torn on just about everything else. I was... Um, the, 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 the lyrics are at some points interesting and lyrical and, uh, and, and fun. Uh, well, maybe, not, maybe never fun, but 
interesting and and yeah. poetic. Yeah. Uh, but there are also a lot of times where the lyrics are either dark in a way that I didn't like, um, re- refer- like a lot of like drug references or um, you know stuff that just really doesn't tickle my fancy. And also a couple of times when it's very repetitive to a point where I was just like getting really annoyed by the repetitiveness. And I and I feel like actually 66 might have been one of the offenders in that um in in that. Like there's a there's a bit where they they say, um, uh, come on, come on, and they're just over and over and over again. Come on, come on, come on. And I was like, okay, I, uh, this, this is a stop. Um, and I also think 66 might be the one where, does that start off with like very sexual noises? Yes. Okay. So that was a very interesting experience for me, this song, because it starts off with this very kind of distorted sexual maybe moaning maybe you know something uh maybe not all that pleasant moaning and um and then all of a sudden you get this like rhythm this kind of really Bum. interesting rock and roll na, na, beat that kind of comes na, na. in right and it's suddenly na, 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 and na, na, yeah na. in my head i'm like oh suddenly this is an interesting song and then you get the guy's voice goes yeah and i'm like no <laughs> No, not that. Uh, and so that was like a very back and forth, um, you know, negative, positive, negative, like experience for me. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the guy's voice. Uh, I, I'm glad from what you say that he that he kind of toned things down a little bit. But I will say that uh, I, I, I didn't love the darkness of the singing. It, and this is where I was picking up a lot of that grunge vibe um, from, from this. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't really play to me all that well. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> one thing I did notice, we had another vampire reference in, yep. in this album. It's like, what, three weeks in a row uh, yeah. of vampires? Uh, I, I was hoping, because... As I was listening to it, I was hoping that in my head I was like, "Oh, I would love to see someone else sing a song to this music, right?" And I was mm-hmm. like, I, "I feel like this music's pretty good. I don't like the vocals. What would it sound like if someone else sang?" Uh, and then the last song on the album is a instrumental track, mm-hmm. and it, it's not good. Um, no, you didn't like it. I didn't like it, uh, and so I was like, "Well, okay, I guess, I guess, I guess I got what I asked for." <laughs> so uh yeah i mean yeah one of uh one of afghan wig's most famous tracks uh and it is from uh debonair their uh, their uh major label debut is the hmm. song my curse and that song is sung by marcy mays a female vocalist so it is certainly something that they've done uh and they do prominently feature female vocalists on several of their other albums um Greg I'm Dooley gonna go listen to Debonair. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's their top song on uh, uh, YouTube Music. Oh, so sorry, Debonair is the song. Uh, Gentleman is the album, I believe. Oh, yeah, is Gentleman that, is yeah. the album. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, My Curse is a is a wonderful song, but very very dark subject subject matter. So uh, it may not it may not be your cup of tea. I, the Afghan wigs do really deal with sort of this like seedy underbelly of i want to say city life to be honest like Mm. it does always feel like it's grounded in this sort of metropolitan like 
grime, mm. uh, you know, and so there's, and this is very produced music. Like there's strings, there's brass, there's yeah, there's a couple vocals. horns I heard in here. I yeah. was like, that's beautiful. A yeah. couple of moments where I was really struck by like, oh, I like that a lot. So yeah, it, they really produce these albums, you know. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the con the like the number, so there's four primary members of the band, but there's always ten, twelve, fifteen performers on the album because there's always lots and lots of layers of of what they're doing but to go back to what i was saying like this is like music that really tries to engage with like ugly things you know mm. so even when the music is pretty or or beautiful the content the lyrical content is nearly always really dark and i will tell you this album is one of their like lighter albums, <laughs> mm. if you can believe okay. that. Uh, so yeah, I can. I can believe that. Yeah, like uh, you know, you mentioned drug references. Like there's songs about heroin addiction. There's mm -hmm. songs about you know uh, relationships gone wrong. That you sort know, of thing. yeah, and I can see. I can absolutely see the value in that kind of art uh, mm -hmm. as a musical as a musical style. Uh, but I think for me, it's the same reason I don't really watch documentaries. Um, I'm not trying to be uh, immersed in the real, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the, the grime and grit and darkness of the real place I live. Uh, when I, when I seek out entertainment, I kind of want to be uh, transported away, mm -hmm. you know? That's one of the reasons I love comedy so much, I think. Well, and, you know, and it's funny that you should say that, right? Because certainly when it comes to movies, I'm very much the same way. We've talked a lot before about how there are certain things, both in TV and movies, that are just, they're just too dark for me. You know, you've mentioned that you love the show Breaking Bad. I watched the first three episodes of Breaking Bad and I couldn't handle, like, I just couldn't handle how unrelentingly difficult and dark it was. I, you know, and so many people have told me, oh, just get through the first season. And get... yeah, I don't, I don't want to. No, I, you're I, not wrong. If I, darkness I, is what you hate. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know why I'm more open to it in music, uh, but I am. And know? that's interesting. I'm, I'm much more, inter I'm much more open to it in a uh, narrative structure like film or TV than I am in music. So, you know, we're flipped on that way. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I, I, as far as a rating, I'm going to give this a, uh, a four. Okay. Yeah, because there's definitely moments in here where I, I saw things that were uh, redeeming qualities, but ultimately this is not music that I would listen to. Okay. Okay. Um, this is a nine for me. Like I said, this nice. is one of my favorite bands of the 90s, and this is my favorite of their albums. It's That's not great. quite a 10 to me. Uh, especially, you know, honestly, I think I probably would have given it a 10 before I listened it back uh, a couple of times this week. But, it, you know, there there are some holes there. Uh, this one, they actually did a concept album before this, which I think maybe holds together a little bit better just because okay. it's thematically a little more coherent. This one does kind of jump around a bit. Yeah, so I'd actually, I actually I liked the one of the things I did like about it was the uh, variety 
in it. It wasn't all the same sound by any means throughout no, the album. No. So you do get some variety. And again, I loved the uh, the up. It had it was surprisingly upbeat, right? Yeah. I mean, literally the a, a, a faster yeah. beat, which I appreciated for sure. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I like that. I, I did sense that this is kind of the music that you the, that you were going to really uh, rally behind, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I like that. I like that you liked it. Cool. Well, uh, do you know what you're going to give me next week, Travis? I have a suspicion, but uh, uh, let's see. Where are we in the in the year? So we got one more one more week before things start to get before we lose the Halloween spirit, shall yes. we say? Yes, this next episode will be released on October 29th. Great, great. So I want to give you... Have you seen A Quiet Place? I have not. I'm going to give it to you. It's the one I wanted to give you last week, but I wasn't going to because you didn't have a good sound system. But man, I just... I feel like I want to have you watch this movie because I like it so much. Uh, This is... I'm not going to tell you much about it, except that it was written and directed by John Krasinski of The Office. Uh, He was Jim in The Office. And he filmed it with his wife, Emily Blunt, who is a national treasure. Yeah, so it is a monster movie. I'll give you that much. But it's a suspenseful... It's it's much more about the suspense. And that's the thing. I loved it. And uh, I will say, without telling you why, that this was one of the most incredible theater-going experiences I've ever had in my life. And uh, I'll tell you more about that next week. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, what you got for me? All right. Well, next week for you, I have the... Uh, what, what do I have? Oh, Churches. I have a band called Churches. Have you heard of Churches? No. I, I mean, I've heard of Churches, but I haven't heard of Churches. Okay. So... The first thing I'm going to tell you is it's probably going to irritate you because the band is is called Churches. It's pronounced Churches. Nope, it's pronounced oh. Churches. But it is spelled C-H-R-V-C-H-E-S. Uh, oh, they use a V instead of a U? They like use a V instead of a U. Uh, so I know, I know. I know. See, I think I, I think I spelled that wrong. But the point is, is they use a V instead of a U. So, so I probably will call it Traverses. Yeah, which, you know, is not good for anyone. But uh, they have an album called Love is Dead. It was their third album. It was released in 2018, I think. It's super good. I love it so much. And I really hope you like it, too. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's sort of a... a fusion of of electronica and rock um and it's just good like big fun sounds great vocals uh it might be a little repetitive for you i don't know uh it's not something that trips my triggers sometimes and so i don't always notice it and then you bring it up and i'm like oh yeah i guess it is kind of repetitive but all right uh, all right well, but, we'll keep uh, a, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly interested to experience Traverses for the first time. Oh, he's gonna <laughs> do it, guys. He's he's gonna commit to the bit. Do you know? I uh, heard that uh, the Rolling Stones were putting out a new album. Have you heard about this? I have not heard about that. 
apparently it's getting good reviews and uh and people like lady gaga are part of it and uh i don't know i just heard that today so i don't know if that's something i, I don't listen to the rolling stones i don't know if you do but uh, i am not a i'm a beatles guy we talked about this a couple of oh, weeks we ago did. A, we did yep. just talk about this in All the right. eternal battle between the beatles and the rolling stones but I'm does that mean you have to dislike the... the rolling stones it doesn't mean i have to dislike the rolling it... stones but I do dislike you them. Coincidentally, dislike them. Interesting. Well, actually, that's that's actually a little unfair. I like some Rolling Stones songs, but in general, uh, I don't like their songs. And a lot of their very highly regarded songs are the songs of theirs that I like the least. Oh, interesting. So, um, so give me all your loving. Give me all your loving. All I want is maybe that not the Rolling Stones. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar to me. Well, but... you know, we've already established. So this would be a good time to uh, tell you about the experiment I did uh, about all my about how just how inept at music I am. Sure. And uh, so I went on a YouTube music and I clicked on the charts button and just wanted to look at the hundred biggest songs uh, in YouTube music and like how many of these people have I heard of. That's all. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know who have I heard of. The okay. top song on YouTube Music right now is from Doja Cat. And oh, I okay. have heard of Doja Cat. Although, I will say, only recently, within the last year or so, and when I heard my friends at work talking about her, I want to say? Yes. Um, yeah. I had no idea. Like, I thought they were playing some sort of joke on me. You know, mm -hmm. that it was a real thing. So, otherwise... Uh, I mean, I've heard of Drake, who has a song on here, a couple of songs on the list. But other than that, I oh, mean, you've I heard have to of go... The, oh, you've heard of the best-selling rapper of the last 10 years? You've yes. heard of that person? In fact, Drake has uh, several songs on the, on the, on the top 100. But yeah, he just released a new album. Let me tell you. Uh, okay, there's Usher. Uh, more Drake, more Drake, more Drake. Other than Drake, it takes me, I guess... Uh, Shakira shows up at number 42. I've heard of her. But you have to go down to sh number 42 before I have heard of anybody. Just heard That's of them. Fair. And like, here's Miley Cyrus at number 50. Uh, I've heard of her. <laughs> and so like, uh, System of a Down, I've heard of that. And that shows uh, for some reason at number 57. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything. Oh, and Olivia Rodrigo showing up at number 61. Uh, our recent uh, purpose. Weirdly enough, Taylor Swift doesn't show up until number 63. Hmm. I thought she was like the biggest thing on two legs. Uh, she is the biggest thing on two legs, but she hasn't released the new, she hasn't released new music in over a year. Oh, uh, okay. She's about to take over the charts because her re-recording of 1989 is about to come out. Oh. So, um, I don't know if you know this, but she doesn't like her original record label due to... Right. I've heard about the whole thing about her. Yeah, her so she's, the only so way she, she can get her rights is by re-recording everything. And... Yeah, so she's re-recording her early albums. And uh, 1989, which is her most successful pop album, uh, is coming out shortly. Well, it's interesting. I just thought that uh, because this is the top 100 songs in the U.S., I didn't realize that meant they 
mostly had to be new songs. Like, yeah, uh, that makes well, some it's sense. it's like right now. It's sort it's sort of their equivalent of the uh, Billboard the Billboard Hot list, one, uh, yeah. Hot 100. Yeah, yeah. So like Drake's Drake's album, I believe, came out last Tuesday. So that's why there's a bunch of Drake tracks up at the top. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, I just thought that was fascinating and goes to show how little I know about music and our musical world that we live in. Hey, listener, do you want to educate Travis? Well, write to him and me at ExposingOurselvesPodcast at gmail.com or go on our Facebook and tell him what a foolish, uneducated idiot he is. Uh, How do you find that? You just search for Exposing Ourselves on Facebook. And I would really enjoy it if you did that. Oh, I would really enjoy it, too, just as much as I enjoy having you expose yourself to me. Thank you. You're you're welcome. And hey, you know what else would make Travis happy is to leave a review on your favorite podcast (gasps) platform. That would leave me so happy. Thank you. Oh, Matt, you just are doing everything. You're exposing yourself to me and uh, doing all all the housekeeping. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for exposing yourself to me, Travis. I love doing it. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.